Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning once again. Welcome to Christmas at Bethesda. And it sure does look like Christmas outside, right? Well, you made it here today. You might as well get a word from God while you're here, right? Anybody excited to be in God's house? Amen. Anybody thankful for heat and hot chocolate and coffee today? Some of you are like, I'm just not sure why I drove in this, right? Well, last week we kicked off a brand new series entitled God With Us. And we talked about uh, God with us in the valley. And the premise of this series is to discover that God is with us even in a negative circumstance. It's real easy to know that God is with us when life is good and there's money in the bank and our relationships are working and all of that. But what about those seasons when it doesn't seem that that's the case, that we're having uh, pain or struggle, we're, we're going through something difficult? And so uh, we know that Jesus came. That's kind of the key verse. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God took on flesh. He wrapped himself in flesh, and he came and he dwelled among us. The scripture says that we beheld his glory. So God is with us. Go ahead and hit your neighbor and tell him that. Tell him God is with you. Oh, that's the wrong neighbor. You may have to scream at somebody. Come on, you're spread out today. God is with you. Uh, And so we talked about the valley last week. The valley is about pain, tears, loss, grief. Today we want to talk about God with us in the wilderness in the wilderness. And I, I think that this will speak to many of you uh, today that um, one of the things we really have to, to grab hold of is that we enjoy God on the mountaintop. We get to know God in the valley, but we experience God in the wilderness. And so I, I think this will, this will be a blessing to you. Whenever we talk about the wilderness, what are we talking about? What, what do you mean by wilderness? God with us in the wilderness. Well, when you look at Scripture, you find out that the wilderness is a metaphor for trials, hardships, and wandering. If you will remember when God brought his people out of Egypt, out of the place of bondage, the Scripture says that God led them into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, they were uh, in, a, in a season, if you will, of trials hardship, and we know they wandered for about 40 years. Now, I am not suggesting that your wilderness season has to last 40 years, but I do believe everybody goes through a wilderness season and probably um, several wilderness seasons throughout your life where you are enduring hardship, trials, and wandering. I preached a message on November's first Wednesday, and I called it Surviving the Wilderness, because I think we're, we are so used to, in our culture, uh, and I think partly because of sports and, and, and whatnot, that we, we count wins and losses a lot. And sometimes the wilderness is not about winning, and it's not about losing. It's about survival. That I have to survive the wilderness season. And maybe you did lose your last season, 
But the good news is you're still here. You survived it, right? You're still here. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He, he has something for you to accomplish in the earth. And so the wilderness is about trials, hardship, and wondering, but it's often associated with confusion. And what I mean by that is that when we are in the wilderness, we are usually in a place where we do not know what to do next. That's what um, attributes to the, the wilderness season. We, we don't know what our next step is. Like, should I take the job? Should I not take the job? Should I stay in this relationship or maybe get out of that relationship? Should I go back to school or, or just continue doing what I'm doing? The wilderness is a time when we don't know what to do next. Now, the other thing that's very important is that the wilderness season usually follows the mountaintop. A lot of times we have a mountaintop experience, but it's followed by a wilderness season. And this is what makes the wilderness so difficult, because if you have a major breakthrough, you, you get a raise, you get a promotion, the, the relationship is healed, and, and you, you've uh, operated in for you had this major breakthrough, and then it's followed up by a wilderness season, it can be a confusing spot to be in. How can I go from the mountaintop to this wilderness season that's full of trial and hardship? Now, some of you are probably thinking, isn't the valley and the wilderness about the same thing, Pastor Chad? Well, here's the major difference between the wilderness and the valley. Time in the wilderness usually lasts longer. I'm going to say that again. Time, that's so encouraging, isn't it? Time in the wilderness usually lasts longer. Valley seasons are usually short-lived. It's pain, loss, tears, but we come out of it rather quickly. Wilderness seasons can last weeks, months, years at times. And so I'm not trying to put a date on your wilderness. I just want you to know that it normally lasts longer than a valley season. It's a barren place. It's a dry place, a desolate place. When we look at it through the lens of Scripture, it's a place of wondering. I don't know what to do next. I don't know which direction to go. And a lot of us, we may be in a season this morning, if we were really honest, we're just wondering when this will be over. Like, when will I get to the other side of this? Maybe it's a job that you hate, and it's like, I wonder if this will ever end. God, could you please open up another door? Maybe you're renting a house, and you're tired of renting because you know you don't have equity, and you're like, God... Can I please buy a house? Maybe you've been dating somebody for a long time, and you've been dating and dating and dating and dating and dating and dating and praying and fasting, and he's still playing video games and won't propose. I just don't know which direction to go. I'm going to help you out. You need to leave that joker, all right? Let's just help you with that one. You need to leave that joker. See, in the wilderness, we feel alone. We feel lost. We feel disoriented. We feel like no one... I want you to grab this... In the wilderness, you feel like no one understands. Nobody understands exactly what you're going through. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Jesus had a mountaintop experience. He waited until the age of 30, because that's usually when priests would begin their priesthood. And so at age 30, Jesus is baptized by John. And the Bible says that when he's baptized, the heavens opened up over him. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, 
And then the father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What a powerful mountaintop experience. A father basically saying over his son, I'm proud of you. I love that because Jesus hadn't even done anything yet. His ministry is just getting ready to start and the father said, I am so proud of you. But if you continue reading, the very next phrase says that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted and tested for 40 days by the devil. He went from a mountaintop, the Father's proud of me, into a wilderness, isolated, alone, a time of hardship. Some of you've experienced that in your own life. You've had some type of breakthrough in your life, and then all of a sudden you found out that Someone wasn't being honest with you, and it sent you into a wilderness. Maybe you thought your spouse was being faithful, and come to find out they were not faithful, and it sent you into a wilderness. Maybe a financial situation, you thought it had turned around, you had gotten out of the mess, only to find out you've went further and further into debt, a wilderness season. So what I want to do today is I want to help us with one big thought that we will come back to a couple of more times throughout the message, and that is this. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. And I want to show you a story from the Old Testament to help illustrate this from 1 Kings chapter 19. But first, let me set a little context of the story. This story is about a prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah is an incredible man of God. God used him in a very powerful way. We all love the stories about Elijah. One of the big events was a mountaintop experience that literally took place on a mount called Carmel. If you will remember the story, he faced the 850 prophets of Baal. He called fire down, defeating 850 prophets. Everybody say mountaintop. All right? It's a mountaintop. It was the, high, it was the pinnacle of his ministry. And almost immediately after that, we see him go from that mountain, literally from that mountain, into the wilderness. A place where he's desperate, he's alone, he's depressed, he's afraid, all of those things. And we know that it's because during the time of Elijah, there was a king by the name of Ahab. He was an evil king, but we know the story. He had a wife that was more evil than he was, and her name was Jezebel. Some of y'all know the story. All right. And Ahab had been trying to control Elijah for, for a number of years with no success. And so Jezebel says, you need to step out of the way and let a woman do this. <laughs> and she sends a threat where she says to the prophet, sends word to the prophet that by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead for what you've done. I'm going to make sure that you're dead by this time tomorrow. I love that years and years of facing King Ahab, he's still operating in miracles and flowing, but one threat from a woman, and now he's suicidal. And all the men know what that feels like. Come on, somebody help me out. Amen. Some of you are like, no, I ain't saying nothing, preacher. Just I'm going to look at you and nod. I ain't saying anything. All right, I'm trying. I'm trying. Now, I want to show you from God's Word 
how this threat sent him into a wilderness. Look at 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah. Now, I want to pause here just for a moment to explain to you how scared he was of this threat from Jezebel. The distance that he traveled, this is before Uber, taxis. This man is on foot. And one threat from Jezebel, watch this, he ran 100 miles. And you thought you were in shape. He ran 100 miles because he's afraid. And it says this, it continues, he left his servant and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He was on the mountaintop and he ends up in a wilderness. He ran into this wilderness where he's alone and afraid. And he comes to this broom bush. And I, I, I love the story because I think it speaks to where a lot of us have been before. He sits down and he basically says, God, I want to die. Kill me because I'm the only one that loves you. We'll get to, to that scripture in just a moment. I'm the only one, God. And what, what Elijah is saying is, God, I've had enough. I am tired. I don't have anything left in me. I, I'm just done. And we've all found our, ourselves in a place where we've said those very words. I'm just done. I'm done with that. I'm done trying to fix it, trying to change it. I'm just out of gas. I'm tired, God. See, it's in those seasons of maybe raising a teenager where you say, I'm done. Trying to climb out of debt. I'm done. A relationship you've tried to mend, but it just keeps getting worse, and you reach that place where you say, I'm done. I can't do this. And we feel overwhelmed. And a lot of times we take out, how many know that we can take out our frustrations on people we love? Sometimes when we reach that breaking point, that, that place where we're done, where we're, we're, we're literally saying the words, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I, I can't move forward. Sometimes it's just a small thing that can throw us over the top. You know, like cooking a meal for your family. And you spend time, you got these recipes, you got this great recipe and you cook and you spend hours in the kitchen and you prepare this food and then everybody comes in and gobbles it down in about 30 seconds and then they leave their mess and nobody says thank you and then all of a sudden you turn into Jezebel and say, by this time tomorrow, all y'all who ate my food and didn't clean up or say thank you, you'll be dead. And it's really not about that. It's just we're done in so many areas of our life that one small thing can throw us over the edge. And apparently that's what happened to Elijah because he, he, he had experienced the presence of God. We talked about how he, he dealt with the 850 prophets of Baal, but that was only one of the great feats that he did. He raised a dead boy back to life. He had watched God provide Food for him through a raven. Raven dropped off food every, a raven did every single day. He had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. He had experienced God's protection and God's provision. And he, he, he's now in a place where he's running for his life because of one threat. 
He's afraid, alone, and he's in a wilderness. Some of you are there now. Dr. Henry Cloud, a great Christian psychologist, he made an incredible observation about wilderness seasons in our life because when we're in wilderness seasons, we say words like this a lot. I'm tired. I'm just tired. Let me just ask right, real quick, how many tired people we got in the house? Got any tired people? We got some honest people. I'm tired. And we, how many know we use that a lot? I'm just tired. I, I'm just so tired. I just can't keep up with this guy. I'm just worn out. And he was talking to a group of leaders about wilderness seasons and, and how we get burned out and how so many people say they are tired. And he made a powerful statement. He said, many of us are misdiagnosing what's wrong. It's not that we're tired because if we were tired, we could take a nap and we would be better. But some of us, we've taken naps. We've went on vacations. We've slept in. And guess what? We're still tired. And he said, we're misdiagnosing the real problem. He said, you're not in need of physical rest as much as you are in need of spiritual replenishment. Some of us, it's not a nap on a Sunday afternoon that's going to change the game for you, even though how many would appreciate a Sunday afternoon nap? Come on, somebody. That's good stuff right there. I mean, a little food, a little football, and a siesta. Come on. That's what, that's what it's all about. But, but if, if we were just tired, that would fix our issues. And some of us have not learned. It's not about being tired physically. It's about spiritually we are on empty. Spiritually we are out of gas. And this needs to speak to us today because many of us, we're not just tired. We're not just overwhelmed by life. We're not just busy, 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 busy. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit so that the grace of God can, can energize us once again. That's what we really need. We need to get in to God's presence. That How many of you understand the Holy Spirit can give you fuel for the journey? And a lot of times, again, it's not that you need a vacation, and I'm for it. I mean, take the vacation. As many as you can afford, go. All right? But some of us, it's not about a vacation or a nap or sleeping more. It's we need to encounter Jesus in a fresh way. We, we need to encounter him in a fresh and new way. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. But I love this line. He restores my soul. Some of us, it's not physical. We're tired in our soul. We're tired in our spirit. We're, we're, we're it's not a physical exhaustion. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Many of us, if we could, would be honest, we are spiritually depleted. So what does God do? Well, first off, I love what He doesn't do. He doesn't preach Elijah a sermon. When Elijah finds himself in this wilderness season, God doesn't preach him a sermon. God doesn't say, Elijah, it's your fault you're in this condition. He doesn't give him ten verses to memorize. What does God do in this season of his life? Look at 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6. It says, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. All at once, an angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. 
Some of us, if we would listen today, God would probably say, get up and eat a double cheeseburger. Come on, if you won't take that word, I will. Get up and eat, the angel said. And Elijah looked all around, and there by his head, there was some bread. Now, we know bread is symbolic of the word of God. And in other words, when you're spiritually depleted, you got to hear from God. you got to hear from God. And I know some of you, gluten-free, maybe it was gluten-free bread from heaven. I don't know, baked over hot coals. Essentially, God was saying, Elijah, the most spiritual thing you can do is rest in my presence. That you need to rest in my presence. Some of us, we, we would have strength for the journey if we would take a breather to encounter God. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. Continue, same chapter, starting verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey's too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days, 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I love this. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't get it the first time. Because we just read the angel came and touched him. And he ate, and then he laid back down. And then what did God do? The angel came back. And, and what that speaks to me about is that we serve a God of second chances. Some of y'all are like, no, we don't, Pastor. We serve him of the 72nd chance, right? Like, we've had so many chances. Aren't you glad that when you messed up or you've ran out of gas, that God will send an angel to touch you, and he won't even do it once. He will keep pursuing you and coming back. I think we ought to take a praise break right now for second chances. That God will continue to pursue us until we get back on mission. And there are some of us today, I, I, by the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is coming back to touch you again, to give you fresh perspective again. The Lord comes back another time, touches him, says, get up and eat. The journey's too much for you. He got up, he ate, strengthened by that food, he traveled another 40 days and 40 nights, and there he went into a cave. And the word of God came to him again while in a cave, and God then asked him, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you in a cave? Why, why are you hiding out here? I wonder how often God is speaking to us and he's asking us, why are we in this condition? You're better than this. You know I've got great plans for you. Why do you feel sorry for yourself, Elijah? You're not the only one that loves me or serves me or has a call on your life. Why, why are you here? And I believe Elijah, we know what he said. He said, I'm the only one. They've torn. I believe he did that prayer in his whiny voice. <laughs> Y'all know Christians are whiny folk. Well, Pastor Chad, the devil's been on my back all week long. Well, why don't you throw him off? I... I don't understand why we want to live at the mercy of the enemy's voice when we have a God that has already spoken amazing things over our life. Why do we want to continue to operate as a victim when God says you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that he has a great plan for your life and a future and a hope and you should live with expectation and yet we run around in our whiny voice like Elijah. God, I'm the only one. 
You're not the only one. Everybody goes through wilderness seasons. Everybody goes through trauma and pain and loss. See, it's in this spiritual wilderness where Elijah, he really is hurting. And I'm not negating that you're hurting today. I'm just saying, look at what God does. Why are you here, Elijah? You're not the only one. And God then meets him in his deepest need, ministers to him in his place where he's most vulnerable, and then God brings healing in the middle of his hurt. And that's why you have to understand your deepest need can be your greatest gift if it drives you to depend on God. Some of us need to turn our pain into a blessing. How do I do that, Pat? I need to lean into what God says. I need to turn my, my need and my pain. I need to turn that into a gift by getting closer to God. Look at verses 11 and 12. It says, God said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Elijah understands that he's in a bad place. He understands that he needs God's presence. He's scared, he's alone, he's in his wilderness season, and God tells him, I want you to go and stand out on the mountain because my presence is getting ready to pass by. And then something very powerful takes place. The first thing that happens is that a great and powerful wind shows up, tearing the mountains apart and shatters the rocks. And Elijah has to be thinking in the moment, this has to be God, right? This, this is God. I mean, he's tearing the mountains up, rocks are shattered. This must be God. But the scripture says God wasn't in that. After the wind came an earthquake. Surely God's in the earthquake. I mean, you feel the ground moving. This has to be God. And once again, God was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Certainly, just as the burning bush spoke to Moses, this fire will speak to me. But the scripture says, God wasn't in the fire either. After the fire came a gentle whisper. I want you to get this. The ground shook. God was not in the shaking of the ground. The wind raged. And God was not in the wind. And the fire burned, and God was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. Do you see what God did there? If you were born after the 1970s, you just look straight ahead. Those of us that are a little older, the young folk, you got a lot of life to live. You're going to live longer than us. You got more jokes to laugh at. But, but watch this. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Pastor Joe says, right before God does the supernatural, it often looks natural? How often are we looking for God in the big thing? How, how often are we looking for God in the fire, the earthquake, and the wind? How often are we looking for God in that? And, and here's what I want you to grab hold of. God wasn't in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary whisper. I think sometimes we miss God speaking because we're looking for the remarkable every time. 
We're looking for the burning bush experience every single time God shows up. And I don't know how it is for you, but a lot of times when I'm in a wilderness season, it isn't a burning bush that gets my attention, but it can be on a drive home late at night and the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, Chad, I got you. That he speaks in that wilderness season and we got to be attentive to what he's saying because God was in the whisper. And I don't know how this makes you feel. Sometimes that makes me mad. Like, life is hard, God. I need you to shout it at me. I, I need you to scream, God. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I need God to slap me, right? I, I just need God to knock me upside the head so I'll know what to do. But God wasn't in that. He wasn't in the shout or the wind or the earthquake or the, anything that was loud at all. He was in the whisper. And, the, and we have to answer, why was God in the whisper? God whispers because He's close. God whispers because He's close. Some of you have been waiting for me to call you out and prophesy. Thus saith the Lord... All right, I get it now. But can you hear him in the whisper? We whisper to people that we're close to. I don't have to, when I'm having a conversation with my wife, I don't have to scream. Come on, somebody. We're close. There's an intimacy there. I can whisper it. I can, I can say it in her ear because he's right there with you. He whispers because he's near. And, and some of us really need to, to discern this. The devil shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. Somebody needs to hear that today because you're allowing your guilt, your shame, and your condemnation, you're allowing the enemy to shout that at you, and God is trying to whisper some truth to you today to let you know that he is with you and that he is for you. I believe that if you would... If you could just drown out all the noise in your life and recognize that He's close, you would hear God say to you today, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. When you're hurting, I'm hurting. When you're crying, I'm there. You may be broken, but I've been putting the broken pieces back together. God is with us even in our wilderness season. That's why David said in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Why does God whisper? Because he's close, he's near. David said of God's presence, he said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even, in your hand, even if your hand guides me, your right hand will hold me fast. Your right hand will hold me. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. I believe that God is reaching out to some of you today, letting you know that He still has a plan for your life. That He's came to you once. Maybe that didn't get your attention. He's going to come back again. He's going to keep pursuing you until you get your life back on mission. He's always close. We enjoy Him on the mountaintops. We get to know Him in the valley. But some of us are getting ready to experience Him in the wilderness. Right in our wilderness season, we are going to experience God. And that brings me to this last point as the worship team comes back. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on the mountain without Him. Can you say amen to that? I would rather 
be in the wilderness with God than on the mountain without Him. It wasn't the booming earthquake. It wasn't the rushing wind. It wasn't the raging fire. It was a whisper. It was God saying, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm here. And Jesus cares so much about us. Watch this. That He sent Jesus. That, that, our, our theme verse, Matthew 1. The virgin will conceive a child. That God will put on flesh. Man, isn't it awesome that God didn't just save us from heaven? But he said, I'm not just I, I, I'm not gonna save you from here. I'm I'm gonna come and dwell among you. I'm I'm going to come to where you are. Well, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at. It doesn't matter where you're at. God's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He come, that's what God with us is all about. And we we love the mountaintops. I love mountaintops. Who doesn't? But I don't get to know God on the mountaintop, and I don't get to experience God on the mountaintop. I experience God and know God in valleys and in the wilderness. That's why somebody needs to be reminded today that even in your tough season, God is with us. He is with us. And He's whispering because He's close. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I won't prolong this. Thank you for braving the weather and for being here today. I believe that the Holy Spirit can take this word and he can minister to your wilderness season today. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. I want to speak to those in the room, but also those watching online. If you're not in right relationship with God, you can be. Jesus came, paid a price that you couldn't pay so that you could know God, have a relationship with Him. If you need Jesus to save you today, to change you, if that's you today and you want to make that happen, you want to leave differently than you came, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Anyone at all. Those online, we would love to pray for you as well. Thank you for that one online. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. I need Jesus today. Anyone else? Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing to hearts and lives. Every voice lifted. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those people a great big hand. God bless you. So glad for you. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to open up the altars for a time of prayer. We want to pray with you. Maybe you're in a wilderness season and you just need somebody to come into agreement with you and believe for you. There's power in agreement. The scripture says, talks about the power in agreement. That any two of us touching any one thing, if we pray and believe, we'll have those things that we're praying for. So we're going to open up these altars as we sing this last song. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.